I, I firmly believe that corporations and governments, which are the only two things that work in trillions, are the two biggest opportunities that we have to fix the problems in society. Um, I'm not an expert on governments, but I've worked inside these corporations for 20 years. And I know that because they're comprised of people, that's the Achilles heel of corporations. They're comprised of people like you and me. And if the people in those corporations rise up and say, enough is enough, we are going to take back control of these corporations and we're going to have them do what we want them to do to create this era of abundance and prosperity for all. That is, I think, the hugest revolution that we can hope to see in our lifetimes. Welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, your host, Dan Burgess. This is episode 23. Uh, Massive gratitude for tuning in and uh, uh, giving your time to this uh, to this episode. Um, Before we get stuck into uh, this conversation, just quickly um, in the whole podcasting world, if you like this show, if you um, rate it, uh, believe in what we're trying to do here, um, then can you give us a review or a little rating or a little cheeky three, five seconds on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this? Um, would be super useful because A, um, it's lovely to get a bit of feedback. B, it just helps the podcast surface to more people. Um, So please do share it with those you think might like it. I'm really trying to um, power this up now over the next few months. So episode 23. So my guest in this episode um, is a wonderful human being called Aftel Aziz. He co-authored a book in 2016 called Good is the New Call. Mark it like you give a damn. Um, He is a uh, well-in-demand keynote speaker um, and he is uh, the founder and chief purpose officer of a consultancy uh, practice called Conspiracy of Love. Now, the great thing about Aftel is that he has worked uh, in uh, and for some of the biggest uh, brands on the planet over his career and um, what I think is uh, is is so interesting about those it's given him obviously this unique insight into how these big corporations work um, his mission today is to solve one of the biggest problems facing companies in the 21st century is how to find purpose and meaning in the work they do and unlock the power of business to do good in the world Christ do we need more of that right now so um, after is uh, yeah is a, is a busy busy chap um if he's not speaking consulting he's running his own conferences under good is new call um and uh he's just a lovely human being so i was really chuffed to connect with aftel um at his home in la uh, via the power of the internet um and this is a conversation we had yeah a couple of months back um i'm going to cut straight to it this is uh, the spaceship earth podcast episode 23 with aftel aziz aftel welcome to the spaceship earth podcast Hi Dan, nice to connect with you after all these years. Yeah, do you know what I was? Fi- I was figuring that out actually this morning. I think I could be wrong. No, I'm pretty sure I was right. I think it was about 18 years ago I first met you. No, <laughs> yeah. that's well, yeah. that's depressing. <laughs> well, because because you were, I think it was when you were at Kiss FM. 
Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's that got to be a long time ago. That's got to yes. be, hasn't it? When you, and you read Naked. That, yes. It was pre-Naked. It's when I was doing research, and uh, oh. and oh, okay. um, I think you were you were guys were embarked. Kiss of M for those listeners who have no idea what we're talking about here is um was a was a pretty leading edge uh, uh, legendary legendary radio brand um and station out of out of London, wasn't it? And uh, um I remember. Yeah, so I think I was doing a piece of work looking at kind of youth audiences and the brand and the involvement of the brand, and that's where I first met you, um, which was about 18 years ago, which is... Uh... <laughs> 18, to me, 18 years ago, about 30 pounds lighter and much more hair. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And then, and, then, and, then, and then I think, then, uh, I, think then, I, then I connected with you again at Nokia. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's you, right. yeah, so you went on... Because you went, you went talking. You did some crazy things at Nokia, if I remember rightly. Um, My goodness, yes, that was at Nokia around the time Nokia was really getting into music and MP3 phones. And so I had the pleasure of launching these phones and across Europe with a series of experiential events called right. Nokia Nokia Trends. We did uh, Nokia New Year's Eve, which was the world's biggest New Year's that Eve. That was the party. one. Tell me about that one because I remember this. This is just when you think about it. This, so this would have been when was this? This was. Oh, gosh. I think 2007, 2008, yeah. New Year's Eve, I think, if memory serves me right. Yeah. But it was yes, enormous, was, wasn't it? This was an enormous activation. This, I think, still holds the record for the single biggest proprietary experiential done by a brand. It was $30 million. <laughs> and so I don't know if anybody's listening have, has any idea if that's the biggest, please let us know. But yeah. yes, it was uh, this bonkers idea to do one party in five cities that stretched over 24 hours with the world's biggest music talent. So it was, the cities were Hong Kong, Mumbai, Berlin, Rio, and New York. The artists were Rihanna, the Black Eyed Peas, John Legend, gosh, a whole bunch more. All tied together by a live global webcast and a TV show that got produced the next day and pumped out on New Year's Day in the like 120 countries or something like that. So yes, by far the biggest, most complex project I've ever done. I think I was chain smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for six months <laughs> to finish that one. Because <laughs> um, this was the time when sort of Nokia just ruled the world, right? It was like, I mean, yes. almost. It was, it was amazing when you, think, when you think back to that and actually think, and then you think to today and think, whoa, what happened? <laughs> well, I used it as a lesson in as a warning lesson sometimes mm. to think about how companies can go extinct faster than you, you can imagine. You know, when, when you and I were working on Nokia, it was world's biggest mobile phone company, 40% of the Finnish gross domestic product, that one wow. company. And five years later it had vanished. And, you know, I think it's, it ties back to the theme of everything I work on now, which is purpose, which is what if it had a higher order purpose mm. and was able to then, ideate around uh, that purpose. I, I, I always say if, if Nokia really had a purpose around connecting people, then they could even potentially have gone beyond hardware and started to actually create something like Facebook. Yeah. They could have evolved from you know hardware to software to social networks. Um, had they had the foresight to ideate, I think, and, and see around those corners. Yeah, no, I mean, it's that's fascinating times. And I think, yeah, there was, there was many of us that were... Uh... I mean, so many people were working 
within the sort of web of Nokia work at that time, um, or for many years. Um, yeah, it's an amazing company, amazing people inside the company. And it's just, uh, I just think it's one of those moments where you have to really use it as a kind of uh, lesson in how companies need to really innovate and stay abreast of the competition and, yeah. you know, outthink out them as well. Yeah, no, exactly. So you went on, so you went on from there and then you went, uh, was it Absolute from there? Was that? No, I, so I had the pleasure of working for Heineken in oh, New York City right. and then Absolute. So I spent about nine years in the kind of alcohol industry in total. Yeah. And uh, again, lots of cool things going on in music. Uh, did a lot of, um, you know, festival sponsorships and, you know, uh, partnerships with, um, you know, um, Art Basel and things like that. And I think that was a great uh, run, but I think it was actually towards the end of that, you know, to, to back up a second, I, I think the thing you have to know about me is that I, I'm a kid from Sri Lanka who grew up obsessed with pop culture. Mm. And I, that's why I was, you know, I went and worked for Kiss. I worked on Mixmag, and and the the red thread throughout the first half of my of my career has been working in brands that had a, a big pop culture um, yeah. component to it. Yeah, and I was obsessed by the cool. And one day the cool stopped being cool, and that I I say it's kind of like being. Um, you know, in the Roadrunner cartoons when Wile E. Coyote runs off the side of a cliff and his feet are still moving, there's nothing beneath him. Right. And that that's how I started to feel. I felt like this thing that had fueled my career in marketing for so long was no longer fueling me. And so that's when I went on this four and a half year journey with my wonderful friend and co-author and partner in business, Bobby Jones, mm -hmm. uh, to write this book, Good is the New Cool. Market like you give a damn to give it its full title, and that was also, if I'm right, because you you mentioned the Sri Lanka, you know, that's your birth country, and something happened as well, right? In in that was part of this shift for you. Yeah, you know, I, I think any, anybody's journey to purpose is is it's not an instant transformation. There's always moments that happen along the way that really um, move you on to kind of uh, the next step and the next step. And one pivotal moment for me was being in Sri Lanka. This is in 2004 for uh, my brother's wedding and being there when the um, Asian tsunami hit the country, mm. which was a pretty devastating thing to happen to this country that I, I love. I was safe. I wasn't hurt in, in the tsunami, thankfully, but a lot of people died. That was a lot of devastation. Mm. And I think that was the moment where I started to realize that there was a gulf between what I did for a living, i.e. marketing, and whether it was of any use to the people who had been hurt or harmed or you know, affected by the tsunami. And, and there wasn't. And so that was a moment there where there was a seed planted in my head, um, you know, where I started to think about what, what was my higher order purpose, even though I didn't have the words to explain it, you yeah. know. And uh, that coupled with, you know, other moments where I just started to realize that there was something else that I should do. Um, writing a book was my way of flushing out that purpose, actually. I, I realize it now in hindsight. I just decided to go back to my first love, which was writing. 
Mm. You know, I grew up wanting to be a journalist and, you know, and I've written books of poetry and fiction novels and things like that. And I just decided to put my journalistic hat back on and go hunting for clues for what could give me inspiration. And it ended up being a book. And that book ended up being the kind of gateway to my new life as a speaker and as a consultant and, um, you know, just thoroughly enjoying being in the space of helping people inside brands and companies figure out how to make money and do good. It's, it's, I've found that spark again that I had, um, you know, through, through music and pop culture. And, and now that spark is business and social impact. And that was, I mean, it's 2016, right? And the book came out. Um, yep. So that's three years ago. When you were, and how long, how long did, the, how long did the book take to, you know, what was the journey like then actually pulling this thing together? Oh, uh, first of all, I'd highly recommend writing a book with somebody else. It makes <laughs> it much more fun than this kind of lonely endeavor. Um, and you know, Bobby and I were sitting at lunch one day and he is, uh, one of the smartest people I've ever met. I, he, he and I used to work together on Heineken. I was his client. He ran uh, Alloy, an amazing kind of multicultural agency there. Uh, I I would say every time Bobby started speaking, I would shut up and start writing down everything he said. And so we were sitting at lunch one day and we were both just being brutally honest about how much we were frustrated with our, you know, business as usual. Mm. And I just said, hey, do you want to write a book with me? And he's, to my eternal gratitude, said yes. And so we just started calling people up and, you know, doing it in our lunch breaks, you know, in uh, sitting in little phone booths, you know, calling people up and saying, Hey, would you give me 45 minutes of your time just to me to ask you questions? And I'm, you know, uh, so grateful to all those people who said yes, even though they pretty much knew that we didn't have a book deal at that point and we were just faking it. Nice. Um, And so, the book ended up being a collection of 21 interviews with people that we just thought were world changers, people just doing super interesting things in business and brand and nonprofits and culture. And um, we found a wonderful agent, Robert Gwinsler from Sterling Lord, who, who really took a chance on us. We found a wonderful publisher, Regan Arts, who did an amazing job in helping to design the book and make it look cool, which is a mm. huge part of its success, I think. And then, yeah, it came out in October of 2016. Um, three weeks later, Donald Trump is elected and we are holding our heads in our hands because we think <laughs> we've written the worst titled book in the history of timing. You know, good wasn't the new cool uh, if you looked at the results of the US election. Brilliant. Um, but then it was really the the reaction to the book after that point that made us realize that we were onto something. And Bobby says, uh, he always says wise things. He said, good is a new cool went from being an observation to a declaration. Hmm. And we realized that actually it was a rallying cry and the emails and, you know, calls we started to get from people inside companies who said, listen, this book is really valuable to me. It is a playbook for corporate resistance. It's a playbook for how you can, get brands to start thinking about ways to spend their money more wisely and, um, you know, m- build brands, make money and do good all at the same time. So 
that's what led to me quitting my job at Absolute Vodka on January 1st, 2017 and jumping head first into this new life. That's a good, that's a, that's a good story. What, um, what has, I mean, cause even, I mean, I, what, what I'm finding so fascinating with all of this stuff now is the sort of pace that, you know, this whole area of, um, purpose and, uh, you know, business for good or whatever you want to call it, that's obviously starting to, to motor. And obviously there's multiple reasons why that's probably happening, but I always remember, um, I remember actually sitting with my Nokia client probably 10 years ago, um, when I was doing a lot of work around this kind of sustainability, you know, positioning of the brand, <laughs> the irony of it now, <laughs> it's, it's no longer around. But I always remember, like, you'd have these great, great quotes from thing, which would people go, you'd have people within the business teams who would go, what's what's the business case for sustainability? You know, there was always this sort of, um, always this sense that doing good things seemed to sort of um, rub up against doing business you know it was always a sense that you couldn't you couldn't do good stuff in the world and make money and i know obviously you know that is changing rapidly now as we're seeing more companies that are baking this in from the start but what what have you seen that's shifting since that you got the book out what it, what do you think it is and do you have any i guess are there any examples of that where you're really sort of seeing that can you understand that kind of you know that kind of idea where it was often yeah. seen as on the edges and what do you think's bringing it th- through now I'd love to know a bit more about where you sit with that. Yeah, so the way we talk about it is that we're seeing three tectonic shifts happen all at the same time, which are massively disruptive to doing business as usual. Mm. There is uh, shift number one, which is consumers who want to buy products and services from companies that uh, stand up for their values. Um, Shift number two is employees who want to work for those companies now. Mm. And shift number three is increasingly investors and the stock market and Wall Street wanting to invest in those companies. So if you're a CEO, you're now getting hit on three different fronts from, you know, forces which are greater than you. Um, you know, one of the, the leading thinkers in this field and a, a man I admire tremendously is Max Lenderman. He runs a wonderful agency called School in Boulder, Colorado. And he said, purpose is the new digital which I love. It's mm-hmm. this idea that this is going to be as disruptive to business as digital was. Um, and I think, you know, in addition to the those forces, I think what you're now also seeing is a, a realization that business as usual hasn't been working. Um, you know, this focus on quarterly profits and this focus on short-term thinking um, has led to companies like Nokia we're talking about going extinct faster. Mm. And so there's a search for a new sustainability, you know, no pun intended for, for companies and their longevity. And that's coming at the same time as people understanding that, hang on a minute, if we actually use clean energy, we save money. If we use, you know, materials that aren't harmful and toxic and we pay our workers fairly and, you know, we are good citizens of the planet. Um, we are actually more profitable. Um, and that's coming at the same time as realizing that the the idea of tackling some of the biggest problems on the planet are actually huge white spaces, which no one has really ventured into, um, that can be highly profitable. You know, so my favorite example of a company, you know, who's been doing it really well recently is Adidas or Adidas, depending mm-hmm. on which part of the world you're in. Yeah. 
um, they have uh, really figured this stuff out in terms of how to, you know, do, do several things very well. So if you look at their um, collaboration with Pali for the Oceans, around the ocean plastic mm-hmm. shoe, the, the sneakers or trainers, this is, these are made from ocean plastic waste. Um, they are now on track to sell 11 million pairs of those sneakers this year at an average retail price of $225 which is, if you do the math, over $2 billion in revenue. Yeah. No, I've seen, the, I've seen the, re, the resale value of these things as well. My son keeps showing me like how <laughs> they go for like four, <laughs> yeah. times, four times the price on all these kind of uh, sneaker sites. Yeah. It's pretty in- So they have learned how to use the power of cool because the first thing about those sneakers and I'm wearing a pair right now mm. is that they just look cool, right? So they're not like each of vegetables, save the planet. They're just like objects of desire. Yeah. Um, they've been really smart in partnering with the right nonprofits and you know organizations like Pali um, to fix this problem. They have committed to stripping plastic out of their entire supply chain um, by a certain point in the future. I can't remember. It's like 2025 or something like that. And they're now creating new technologies like the Future Craft Loop shoe, which they announced a couple of weeks ago, yeah, which is the first circular economy shoe, right? So this is... This isn't Patagonia. This is Adidas. This is a company that was fueled by pop culture and who is now realizing that if they link their pop culture, you know, uh, talents to um, things that can actually have a positive impact on the planet and people, that is a powerful engine, you know, because now you have the engine of capitalism helping to solve some of the biggest problems on the planet. So that to me is the vanguard where purpose is profitable, that translates to a huge amount of um, meaning and engagement with their employees who feel pride to come to work for a company that is solving social environmental problems, attracting investors who want to invest in those kinds of companies and make sure that their money uh, is is, uh, focused on companies that aren't just profitable, but also um, helping the world become better. So, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Um, and I, and I'm, especially if you think about the fact that this is also now being, uh, built on the backs of two generations, millennials and Gen Z who have an awful lot of passion for this topic. I don't think it's going away anytime soon, despite what all the naysayers and thought leaders and, you know, critics in the uh, marketing and trade press say. Hmm. Interesting. And what is um, it's funny because I so I've, I've followed the um, followed the uh, Adidas story very closely because I've been doing a lot of uh, sort of ocean conservation work the last few years, and so really interested in that whole relationship with Parley and and how that's played out. That's a sort of groundbreaking kind of relationship collaboration, I guess. Um, and I think the collaboration space is super interesting. It's a space that interests me massively, and it's always been seemingly quite hard for companies to really or big companies particularly to open up to that kind of that kind of open collaboration system you know we're really quite diverse different organizations are bringing something quite unique into the mix you know and there's a co-creation that's going on Mm. um are you seeing signs of that type of move happening in other big players because i think that's that for me is a signal of real change that these kind of sort of what i would call unusual suspects almost you know 
Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, um, the, the short answer is yes. These are some of the clients that Conspiracy is working with, mm. which I can't talk about publicly, but they these are uh, major corporations in pretty much every category you can think of. Um, apparel, CPG, FMCG, uh, technology, travel, you know, who are all waking up to the potential of this. They are all realizing that it's not about the ad campaign. I think that was part of the uh, part of the problem in the beginning. I think purpose got lumped into advertising, and um, that was it's a good place for a company to start. I call it chapter one, you know, where a company states their values in the form of an advertising campaign. But what's really interesting is companies now moving to chapter two and going, okay, now we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. And so whether that is uh, purpose-led technology platforms that are being created, uh, purpose-led new product innovation that is being created, um, or just companies finding new ways to partner with nonprofits and culture creators to actually create social impact in the world. That's the really rich territory that we are we are now in the midst of that's going beyond advertising right now. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Innovation inside a large company is hard, and I've been inside large companies. I think partnering with smaller, more nimble startups, um, you know, to help to help collaborate, and then you have the best of both worlds of innovation and scale helps. Mm. Um, but no, from my perspective, what I'm seeing makes me tremendously optimistic about the future. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's good to hear. And I wonder whether, because um, you're based in LA, right? That's your, that's home for you now. Um, yes. Um, so what we're seeing right now in the UK, particularly, but I think it's popping up everywhere, but. Um, if we look at the the climate story, it's coming really, really hard now. You know, we've had the, um, obviously the the school climate strikes on the back of Greta Thunberg, but that's sort of getting bigger and bigger on a monthly basis now. Um, we've had the Extinction Rebellion that's emerged in the last couple of months, or even not even less than that, probably really to the forefront. You know, we've had um, it's it's suddenly breaking through in a way. I mean, that's a particular you know, a particular issue, but it is an issue which I think more people are realizing is the mother of all issues <laughs> because uh, yeah. we're starting to yeah. understand that, you know, finally there's a there's a kind of an under an awareness shift that, you know, ecology owns economy, you know. <laughs> so there's no business on Ooh, their planet. Good quote. Yeah, good right. Quote. Right. And so that's starting to come through. And um what's interesting but also challenging about all of this but what's interesting i think is um that is it, it's kind of forcing a lot of uncomfortable conversations that are starting to happen um and i, I think it's probably different in the u.s because of the scale of the of the country and and stuff but i mean what's interesting is and i guess where i'm, where I'm curious about all of this work is is so here there's there's questions around yeah the question of consumption for example is 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 getting louder again so we've had um you know uh, all these reports coming through on uh lots of ecosystems collapsing you know lots of biodiversity in huge decline um and you know it's not just seen as sort of climate now it's seen as you know actually our you know our sort of overconsumption 
um, is starting to take, you know, is, to, is creating such a strain on our ecological systems, um, the you know, demand for resources, the demands for... So I'm interested in that because I'm interested in how how companies are going to res- are going to respond to this stuff because that there's something about yeah how you do business and how you go about making your products but I guess there's also I guess something that's starting to emerge you know what is the kind you know what are the kind of cultural shifts around our relationships to brands going to look like are, is are we going to sort of completely reimagine our relationship with these things you know or is it just because I think there's a certain sense of like let's just keep on buying and let's keep on using that kind of, you know, brand consumer relationship, but we'll try and do it as ethically as possible. Or, or will we start to see a shift in how people start to relate to, you know, consumption on more of a day-to-day basis? Will we see a letting go of certain brands and certain categories? Do you know what I mean? I guess these are questions that are sort of down the line, but I'm just curious because they're certainly, they're certainly coming a lot faster here now than I've ever seen. Um, and I'm seeing people talking about this stuff that you would just would not imagine talking about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, how is it in the U.S. this stuff? It's a it's a great question. You know, I I think um, we have been uh, stymied here by the fossil fuel industry mm. and its army of lobbyists who have managed to sow discord in the public consciousness about whether climate change is real. Mm. And I'm beginning to now to start to put fossil fuel companies in the same category as arms manufacturers or tobacco companies, you know, companies which I'm going to find it very difficult to have, well, work for in the first instance or Mm. consult with, but who are also now actively working to tear the fabric of our society apart, no matter what bullshit they say about you know, green innovation or whatever else. Yeah. I think when you look at social issues, there's a wonderful framework which I've learned from an amazing agency here in Los Angeles called Proper Daily. They are featured in the book. They do amazing work with uh, Clinton Foundation and um, various other nonprofits and foundations. And they have a three-step uh, methodology or three phase methodology that they look at in terms of um, how social issues um, you know evolve and if you look at um, a- any issue from ocean plastic to you know uh, marriage equality yeah. you can see I think the same shift phase one is awareness where the majority of the population becomes aware of the issue mm. phase two is attitude shift where they, the majority of the population then change their minds and start to have a common consensus around the issue, whether it's marriage equality is great or ocean plastic is bad. And then three is behavior shift, where then people actually change their everyday behavior. I will not buy plastic anymore. I will actively vote to support marriage equality. I think the problem with climate change, and by the way, we should stop calling it climate change. That just sounds like we're going to the Mediterranean for a nice right. holiday. Right. I call I call it the climate apocalypse. Yeah. Because I think that's a much better way to frame what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And climate breakdown the, is now coming through as as the way you know it's it's there's a, the, you can feel that that terminology is starting to. to we should begin. just call it climate holy shit. We're all going to die, <laughs> right? So, um, <laughs> let's stop messing around. Yeah. Um, the problem is the 
fossil fuel industry and the politicians in the you know who they have under their control have sowed enough discord and confusion about this topic despite all the scientific research that we've not gotten past stage two yeah so there's a tremendous amount of awareness right an inconvenient truth and you know just the general awareness of it there hasn't been the attitude shift which will then lead to a massive behavioral shift. Mm. So because people still can hold on to excuses like, well, it's just natural cycles or it's, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not man-made. There's, there's climate change, but we didn't cause it. All this bullshit, you know, it doesn't, it, that is prohibiting it from moving into stage three where we're all going, okay, we're all aware there's a problem. Yeah. We all agree this is a huge problem and that we caused it. Now let's start doing something about it. Let's start dismantling this fossil fuel economy that we yeah. that is slowly poisoning us and our children. And the good news is that we have all the alternatives right here um, to fix this problem. We have, you know, there's a famous line from, if you remember that old TV show, The Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, God, say, yeah, Steve Austin. Remember him. We we have the technology <laughs> to fix him. That's remember right. that line? Yeah, like, I do. We have We have the technology to fix this. We have... Clean energy. We have, you know, um, carbon sequestration. We have regenerative agriculture. We have all of those things out there. What we're missing is the collective will um, of people around the planet to do it. And I'm, that is why I'm so in awe of the young people uh, who are leading the charge on this. And I think we need to go help them. I think we need to go get their backs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I've been on, I've been on a couple of, well, as my 14 year old son said to me the other day, he said, Dad, we've been on four protest marches this year, and I'm only 14. What's going on? And, uh, <laughs> and I was, but I was saying, you know, exactly that. And I actually went and the last climate march in Bristol last month. I went and went out and just took my mic with me and just chatted to a bunch of, you know, students on the street just to mm. figure out where, you know, what was going on in their heads and why they were doing this and absolutely you're, you know you're absolutely right it's the same thing you know n everyone i spoke to did not want to be seen as the solution you know and r was really scared uh and didn't you know certainly didn't you know didn't like this kind of part of the media that was sort of saying you know oh, the kids are rising they'll sort us all out kind of vibe you know they were like we, yeah. need, we need the adults to step up with yeah, us you know absolutely yeah um so so yeah so I do think when it comes to corporations that um, I wrote this article as part of my Forbes uh, series of articles, which are called the power of purpose. I wrote one, which the headline was abundance is the new sustainability. And I love this idea of abundance, which was first put forward by Peter Diamandis, who's the founder of X prize and the singularity university. Um, he wrote a book called Abundance and another follow-up, Bold, both of which are amazing books. Everybody should read them. And in it, he said, listen, the good thing is because of all of this technological revolution that we're seeing around clean energy, 3D printing, you know, um, biochemistry, AI, robotics, we're now going to be in a position where we can create more than we need. We can serve the needs of not just the bottom billion, but the coming billions of people that are going to be on this planet. And we can find ways to feed them, nourish them, educate them, and scale in ways that we haven't thought possible. And to me, I think this idea of abundance is a much more uh, powerful and aspirational idea than sustainability. Sustainability means just 
fixing what we broke, just putting back what we took. And so the article really is a call to arms to companies to say, you got to go beyond sustainability. You got to think about how you can be abundant vehicles for yeah. the human race, how you should remain, rename your chief sustainability officers and the chief abundant op- abundance officers and start to think about how you as a company in all of these different sectors that you're in, how you can leave a net positive impact on the world through your people, your products, your processes, and leave it in better shape than we found it. You know, and I, I, I think if companies just get out of this short-termism, uh, get out of this kind of horrible, horrible cycle that they've gotten themselves into with the focus on quarterly profits and start to just look up and see the horizon ahead of them, they'll realize that this is a way to future-proof themselves for the future to make a lot of money. Uh, Peter Diamandis has this great quote, the world's biggest problems are the world's biggest business opportunities. Um, but it takes um, reframing um, what the company can stand for and what it can do. Um, I, I firmly believe that corporations and governments, which are the only two things that work in trillions, are the two biggest opportunities that we have to fix the problems in society. Um, I'm not an expert on governments, but I've worked inside these corporations for 20 years. And I know that because they're comprised of people, that's the Achilles heel of corporations. They're comprised of people like you and me. And if the people in those corporations rise up and say, enough is enough, we are going to take back control of these corporations and we're going to have them do what we want them to do to create this era of abundance and prosperity for all, that is, I think, the hugest revolution that we can hope to see in our lifetimes. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I think that's the whole area that I, yeah, if I have hope for the next evolution of the corporation, it, it comes from within because, um, I mean, they are, you know, corporations are, you know, probably have more resources than, than a lot of governments have as well, you know? I mean, yeah. it's, um, it's in, again, I'm sort of going on this climate thing just because it's so live at the moment here for me as well, just in, in, my, in my work, but... It, but it's interesting, you know, so last week the you know, the UK government have, you know, they've declared a climate emergency. Not quite sure what that means. And obviously that was on mm. the back of all all the Extinction Rebellion work and all the work from the school strikes. And obviously, you know, it's a bit like the Paris Agreement it doesn't really mean anything because it's just a statement. But what's interesting um, already is, you know, there's you can see chatter in the business community. Well, what does... What does a climate emergency mean for the business community? What does extinction rebellion mean for the business community? Do you know what I mean? So these conversations mm. are kind of starting. And I, I'm really interested in, in what you've just said there, because, again, for me, if you bring it back to a human level, you know, corporations, brands, whatever we call them, you know, they are things that are, that are made up of people in the background, right? So these are groups of humans that are sort of building these entities and driving these organisations. And so... I'm really fascinated in this, in what's what we're on the edge of, yeah. Because I think either, either business really and the corporation and, and all these people within are going to lean into this stuff. And as you say, you know, as an awakening again, and I think a rising up to, to something, to something completely different, right? Um, a different set of operating principles, a different set of values, which are absolutely putting the kind of um, the human and and you know a, a longer time perspective into all this stuff. I mean, you, you touched on the sort of 
you know the quarterly the quarterly kind of culture that we've just got into this mad kind of cycle of um you know results and uh you know and again you sort of if you look at what's happening from an ecological perspective you know the planet you could say the planet is you know it's playing you know it's it's our sort of inability to kind of to operate as the natural world does particularly thinking things like time cycles you know eternal growth um constant growth all year round <laughs> <laughs> which the natural world just never does nothing else nothing else in nature does does what the human modern human wants and so i think even just thinking of how how the corporation how a brand will evolve to a sort of deeper sense of time you know a deeper sense of time on this on this planet and a deeper sense of time in the you know in the products and services and the way that we put stuff out into the market that stuff may seem sort of bit but i, I do feel that that's where it has to go to right because um mm. because it just feels we're sort of it's so out of sync now um, and we're seeing so much so much of the feedback now coming from you know both from an ecological perspective from a kind of social perspective as more more people are also uh, suffering in in many ways um it's it it, it, we, it does feel we're on this yeah we're on the edge of uh, of something quite interesting in amongst all of this i think the great hope i have is the men and women I speak to inside corporations mm. who are determined to take back control from those corporations. Mm. Corporations got away from us. They were this thing that allowed us to have, to kind of morally abdicate our values. Oh, it's not me, it's the company. Mm. Well, the company is the people. And so what I'm seeing is people saying, hang on a minute, that's not right. We comprise this company and so we should have a say in what it does and what policies it makes and what is happening right now is precisely because of the toxicity of the political in environment because of the sense of panic around the environment the people inside those companies are having a moment of personal purpose um, that is waking them up and and they're coming to this realization that you know, there is no they, it's only us. We have to be the ones who save it, you know, save ourselves. And so that is what gives me hope is I literally every day I have conversations with people that could be a junior brand manager, they could be an SVP, sometimes they're the CEO, sometimes they're, the, they're lonely um, they, because there's very few people inside the company that they feel think like them. And I say, you're lonely because you're on the vanguard. You're lonely because you're out in front. And that's what leaders have to do. Um, and our job is to help equip you with the right business case, ROI, narrative, story, imagination to help make this happen. Um, but it's no surprise that this awakening of purpose is happening and accelerating precisely at the moment when the social fabric is getting torn apart. Mm. So that is the thing that I cling to as giving me hope that this isn't just a marketing fad or a you know flash in the pan it's these leaders inside these companies who are, are the ones who i know are going to succeed in the long run um and who are now taking back control of these corporations and saying we are going to have you work for us for everybody for all the stakeholders not just the shareholders in the stock market and we're going to do it in a way that's driven by ingenuity and innovation and we're going to help this company make a lot more money because that's what companies are there to do. But by making a lot more money, we're going to do a lot more good. 
Mm. Um, and that I think is, is brilliant. And that's why I wake up every morning and I sign up for this stuff. And this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 40 years of my life. <laughs> what, what do you think that's interesting? Um, you were just saying there, like in terms of the, you know, occasional loneliness of those kind of like driving a, a more kind of purposeful future for, a, for, a, for a, a large, you know, global business what 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 do you sense are the, the 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 biggest challenges for those on this journey inside where 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 do you sense that people are really looking for help well that's kind of why we started doing the good is a new cool conferences you know which we did in los angeles uh, earlier this year and we're going to announce um, other cities soon watch this space <laughs> because we realized they were a gathering place for people like-minded people you know, across uh, all these different sectors to get together and go, oh, I'm not alone. There are people like me in every single large corporation on the planet, in every Fortune 500 company. We just don't know each other. And now they have a network of support. And now they have people they can call up and go, hey, I'm having this problem. You know, I don't know quite how to pitch this idea or, you know, that is, I think, when we talk about a conspiracy of love, which is the name of the social impact consultancy, mm. that is the conspiracy of love that we're trying to create between all of these people, you know, and create allies between them so that they can work together, you know. I think the biggest problem is that, um, especially when it, when it comes to brands and marketing, which is a space you and I came out of, mm. we are trapped in the short-term cyclical nature of the media and advertising cycle. If 90% of a brand's budget goes towards media and advertising, and all that machine can do is pump out, you know, beautiful anthemic tv spots or you know advertising um how do we get that money to be diverted into things that actually do good and by the way we could do a whole separate podcast on the sheer waste inside the media industry yeah, and right. the this 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 is going to be the next big scandal that breaks this is the next big short um the 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 reality of how much of a brand's dollars actually make their way to a consumer. If you go and do some digging and find out the statistics, they're absolutely blood curdling. So these brands are spending money on things like advertising, which at best consumers try and avoid, right? With ad blocking, ad streaming, ad free streaming, etc. At worst, aren't getting seen by anybody. You know, they're getting seen by bot farms somewhere else on the planet, but not by real human <laughs> beings. How do we take that money and put it into doing good? And how do we put those into, um, there's a great agency here, Activista, who say acts, not ads. Mm. Um, how do we put them into acts? And then how do we surround those acts with great content and storytelling and PR and social media and digital and retail and all that good stuff with all the tools of marketing? But at the center of it is actually something that does some good in the world. I think so their biggest problem is they're fighting against a machine that has trained us to, as marketers, only do one thing, which yeah. is to create advertising, when the solution cannot be advertising. We have to go beyond advertising and find real solutions to some of these real problems in the world. Yeah, and... and um I'm yeah, completely behind that. I've found myself over the years, you know, not as eloquently as you just put it, but trying to sort of explore that with with, with clients and uh, this idea again in my sort of simple layman's way. It's like 
in a world now that's so so networked um, and so connected that if you're if you put a little bit of money into doing something awesome in the world, right? <laughs> you know, actually trying to you know co-create something or working with people on the ground around some an issue that you know really genuinely matters and there's a clear connection to to your business, then chances are it's going to get eyeballs, right? That. <laughs> <laughs> that action yeah. that that ability yeah. to go out there and have a go at something with people and um that again it sort of excites me the potential of that because you think if you can start to play with shifting this kind of way of marketing into actually just going out there and actually trying to crack stuff solve stuff together make stuff happen and on the back of it if we can sell some wonderfully made products then fantastic right <laughs> yeah but, yeah yeah I think that, you know, like in the case of Adidas, we've talked about before, the product is the message, yeah. right? The product is the message. You surround it with great marketing, as they have done. That is where I want to see the creative firepower of the, you know, creative agencies, advertising agencies, media agencies, the clients. I want them to shift their attention from trying to prop up this broken model of advertising, which we all know isn't working anymore, Um we, I compare it to like a zombie on The Walking Dead, which just keeps going despite all of the pieces of it falling off. Um, and instead shift to this new model where I say we, we need to start treating the world as the canvas, not this tiny screen. We need to think about people, not pixels, as being um, you know, the most important thing at the center of it. And we need to get in there and solve problems in an imaginative, innovative, ingenious way in a way that gains us that brand love that all these brands hope for, you know, a, a conspiracy of love. We say brands have to give love to get love. You can't just expect somebody to love you if you don't love them back. And so the articulation of that love cannot just be an ad. It has to be how you show up in people's lives and with your products and with the marketing experience around your products, you're helping add value to their lives. That's when people talk about you in social media. That's when people talk about, you know, leaving positive Amazon reviews or positive Glassdoor reviews if they're working at those companies. All of that is the brand today. We live in an era of radical transparency, and that is the brand, not some four-second YouTube pre-roll that you hope will make, uh, you know, a dent in someone's consciousness by disrupting a perfectly wonderful experience they're having and, you know, sticking your hand up and begging for attention. Yeah, no, absolutely. Who would you like to see, like, um, thinking about Good as New Cool and that whole approach that you're building? Like, um, are there brands or categories out there that you're like, come on, guys, this stuff's right for you lot? Who would you, who, who would you like to see stepping much more into the frame in, in this space? Well, I think the biggest opportunity right now is for the big tech companies mm. to step up. And Lord knows they are in the receiving end of so much criticism and rightfully yeah, so, yeah. you know, I think the big four, so Google, Facebook, Amazon, I always forget, like, I think they need to step into the, here's what we're going to do to help fix these problems. We're not just going to say, don't be evil and pretend that's it. Here is how we're going to show up with our trillions of dollars to help people in the world as well. That's brilliant. Listen, man, just um, where can people where can people find your um, how do people get involved? What you know, what should we be looking out for? Where can I point people to to follow your good work? Sure. So they can they can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn uh, after Laziz. Uh, 
And then if you go to goodisanewcool.org, you can find out more about the book and the conferences. And uh, yeah, um, and uh, www.afterlaziz.com for any I'll of the speaking stuff. The, I'll stick all that in the show notes. Um, cool. Listen, great to talk, Cheers, man. Mate. Be in touch soon. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you taking the time. I'll see you soon. All right, bye-bye. So that was Afdel Aziz. Um, Good is the new call. Conspiracy of love. Um, a fine a fine human doing amazing things uh, in the world. He's a proper proper crew member of the spaceship Earth, is Afdel. Um, check his work out. Follow what he's up to. I think he's just, he's just done a couple of uh, conferences out in Australia. Um, but, um, yeah, follow this man. He's, uh, he's shaking things up, which is great to see. Um, hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, if it sparks any questions, thoughts, whatever, please do reach out, uh, dan at the spaceship.earth or you can get me on Twitter at Dan Solo, uh, Instagram at Dan Solo. Um, yeah. So yet again, if you if you like what you're hearing, please share the show with anyone else you think might like it. Give us a rating or a review on Apple or Spotify or Acast. It all helps. Um, I'm definitely on the hunt for someone to help me with a little bit of editing. Um, as you can tell, I don't really edit a lot. It's pretty much the conversation that I have. But even just top and tailing um, these conversations takes time. And I've got loads of other things I'm trying to do. And I really want to get this podcast going Um Weekly, if I can, that would be the idea. Um, I've, I've got a backlog of, of conversations and I've got a load more stocking up um, to do. And so I'm after a little bit of help. I don't reckon it's a lot. It's probably like an hour's work um, uh, per podcast. And I've got absolutely no cash right now, but things are moving. Things are happening. Um, so uh, I may be able to pay something. Um soon uh but if that is if that's of any interest uh i can't speak please reach out i'd love some help um i've also been thinking about do i do do i sort of sort of patron this podcast and try and get backers to help me sort of support the costs of it i don't know uh open to people's thoughts on that one um so yeah so anyway, folks, remember, there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. We are all crew. Until next time, look after yourselves. Peace and out. Mm -hmm.